I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift for the final Giro d'Italia stage recap. The final TT, stage 21 from Verona to Verona, 17 and a half Ks. Almost no TT kilometers in this Giro. No, like 26 kilometers, like very, very small amount. It finished just outside of some sort of amphitheater in Verona. Maro venue before the race had said, I do not want to see GC decided via TT. Whether that contributed to an exciting third week or not, we will discuss tomorrow. This is just a recap of the time trial. Uh, and we'll have all those discussion points. We need to go back and watch sort of some of the earlier stages. It's easy to forget what happened in first week before we talk about that tomorrow. But this TT, 17 kilometers long, 4K, 5.5% climb, where the intermediate time check is taken at the top, and then they descend a very similar gradient climb back down into Verona. And who does this TT suit, Benji? Because it's Okay, yeah, it's got uphill, but it's not like the Budapest one, which was a punch at the end. This is different. Yeah, quite certainly. It's not like it's got the very steep portions on that climb itself, but it is notable that because the first part is uphill, it also means that that first part is done over a longer period. So on average, about 16 minutes for the average rider in the Peloton today was the first part of this time trial to that intermediate check. And then the second part is done in about roughly nine-ish minutes. So it's easier to make the difference in the first part, being uphill, than it is in the descent part, which is the second part. And we're going to see that with the most important riders today, that the riders that did well today are also the riders that had very good times at the first time check and might even have had a, a slower time at the second part. But overall, it feels like the winning times here are also riders that just straight up blast at the first and second section. But again, the first part is the most important part. But when it comes to today's time trial, it's indeed uh, not necessarily the pure climbers that can do great here. It's the combination of being a good climber, but being a decent time trialist as well, I would say. Yeah, and being able to maintain a TT or stay in the TT position on that climb, something we've actually seen Carapaz struggle to do in the past. It's a fast climb. It still matters if you can hold that uh, position. But yeah, will they would they be able to do that? As a reminder, going into the stage, Hindley carried, I believe, a 125-second uh, lead over Carapaz. Virtually impossible for Carapaz to overhaul that because I think they've done a similar course TT before and Carapaz is not that great at time trialers. 90 seconds, which is five seconds a kilometer he'd need to take up, he'd need to do. It's just not possible without a crash, really. Lando was on 151. He's never going to overtake Carapaz either. So the, the top three was locked. And then Nibali's better than Bilbao. He was a minute ahead, or they're about the same. Bilbao's TT has gone backwards. Jan Hurt's no good. He was close to Bilbao, but he's ahead of Wilkman by a fair bit. And then Pozzo's struggling. And so it was really could Carthy in 10th overthrow Juan Pei in 9th. So very, very little uh, 
interest in this TT, frankly, or tension with it. If we're honest, it was pretty much locked unless someone had a very bad issue. But as a reminder, our show partners, Swift, make all our coverage possible, whether it's going to the start of this Giro d'Italia, which feels like a lifetime ago in Budapest or any other events this year, live LRCP events, which we're trying to get off the ground. That is thanks to the support of Swift as well as yourselves in the audience. If you want to check out Zwift, the online cycling platform that makes training fun, you can go to Zwift.com for a free seven-day trial. No strings attached through the link in the description down below. It makes a wonder of difference for both Benji and my fitness goals this year. But you know how we do the TT. We just read the results out pretty much. Sobrero won time of 22-24, 46.5K in our average. So... Uh, obviously much slower on the way up and quicker on the way down. Aaronsman second. We'll talk about him in a second. Uh, some interesting stuff about him. Vanderpool third and Molomot fourth. Decent gaps between them all, to be honest, like 21 seconds, then another 17, then another 28 in the Dutch 2-3-4. Ben Tullet on 23-36. Very nice TT from him. Fifth, um, I actually saw him train on the TT bike before the Giro pretty seriously uh, here. Schmidt, sixth, nice from him. Court, seventh. Foss, eighth. Hepburn, ninth. Carapaz, tenth. And Carapaz only takes seven seconds on Hindley. And given that Carapaz was going full in the corners, and if I was Hindley, I would be going very tentatively on the cobbles. Pave, that's about a wash between them. Um, so, yeah, any big standout surprises from you in that TT, Benji? Sabrera fourth last year and now gets it done here in the final TT. He was fourth last year in the final one. Yeah, he showed already at the start of this Grand Tour that he was good at the time trial in that initial time trial in Budapest. And he proves that once again. He was one of the riders that I think he was a top three favorite for this time trial. I had him... Oh, I had him on par with Vanderpool going into this personally because I was slightly expecting a bit more when it comes to Vanderpool. But you said it earlier that initial climb is not the punchy one that we saw in Budapest, for example. So that allows Sobrero to stay in that in in those draw not the drops in the TT extensions the entire way through, not having to actually go into the punchy mode, which Vanderpool would be better at on paper. But hey, Sobrero, wonderful victory for him, and nice to see because I swear. Slovenia last year, we were kind of seeing a bit of a transformation there where we saw him be good at the time trial in the Giro, but then become a decent climber as well. And I'm curious well where this will go from now on because I'd argue that his climbing has not been what we kind of expected from that Slovenia last year ever since that Slovenia. So perhaps we might see, still see that in the future here. But hey, good time trial win there. But from that top 10, I think the most surprising name for me is... It shouldn't be a surprise after his time trial as well in Budapest, but Mauro Schmidt confirming in that sense. Last year, basically at the end of the year, we were all of the opinion of like, okay, he had a one-trick pony event in the Giro on the Montalcino stage, and he hasn't confirmed since. And then, was it his U23 World Championships where he didn't ride as well as everybody thought he would because he's a Walter Pro going to a U23 uh, World Championships? We expected more in that sense. And now he arrives this year, and he's been basically consistent throughout the season i dare to say i think he was good at was it saudi tour or there was one of those races i think in a desert somewhere 
Schmidt's just been, he's just looked good since he's joined Quickstep and he climbed way better this Giro than I expected. I thought he was a punchy guy, but he was getting over genuine mountains or like, you know, 7K, 6% type stuff with some decent climbers. Really impressive from him. Who I want to talk about is Aaronsman. Now, I said he'll probably top three yesterday. He wanted more than that, obviously. Now, it came out before the Giro. DSM announced that he would be leaving. It's rumored to be Ineos that has him, the 22-year-old, and he's a December boy as well. So 23 late in the year, sixth in Torreno this year already, third in Tour of the Alps, and he helped guide Bardet to the win in GC there. Tall, 192 centimeters, sort of gangly figure, and he's leaving DSM. Uh, but he put up on Instagram yesterday, and he's been in so many breaks. He was in the Africa break, came second behind Hirt. He was fifth yesterday. He put up on Instagram that he was very frustrated because he didn't want to get in the break yesterday. Then he found himself in there. Then when Covey went, he felt obliged to chase or was told to chase. I can't tell which. Uh, and he spent a lot of energy when he wanted to focus and save energy on the TT. And he got beaten by a fair amount here, 20 seconds. But you compare that to Sobrero, who took, you know, came 30 minutes back, took the day off effect. Well, not the day off, but he was in the Gruppetto. I don't know. It's I, – I don't think this is that big a deal. Or is it Benji? Like – <laughs> it, it seems like one of those situations where if I was the rider, you would say, hey, team, can I drop back and DSM? Maybe they said, no, I don't know. It's Some journos are trying to blow it up a little bit. I'm not sure like it's DSM's fault if Aaronsman got in the break. They didn't push him behind with the <laughs> car to get in there. Yeah, I think so as well. And I want to add that. When it comes to Sobrero being in the Gruppetto, for example, I think that does help him when it comes to saving energy, especially knowing he's a decent climber. I think if Sobrero tries, he's not in the Gruppetto there yesterday. But there's no point in him trying because there's nothing to gain for him. With Arnsman, there was something to gain. He failed to end up with the stage win. But I think we also have to think about, let's say that it's a time trialist, a different time trialist on Sobrero, a time trialist that can't climb properly. That is like... Roger Kluge style of like, I don't know, an Alex Dowsett style when it comes to actual climbing, for example, then would you actually say that it being in the Gruppetto is an easy experience for him? I actually wouldn't still. I like, because when you're an Alex Dowsett type climber, a day like yesterday is horrible as well, just from the Gruppetto itself. Do, for example, a Roger Kluge yesterday versus a Hindley yesterday, who would have suffered most on the stage? That's a good point. Probably Hindley. He looked like he'd perished. Whereas Van der Poel and <laughs> Van der Poel and Encorn were doing wheelies and carrying Colombian flags and yeah. stuff, but they're kind of better climbers than Kluger, as you say. I'm not sure. I think being in the break, I think Aaronsman, relative to himself, definitely spent more and didn't recover. And he'd had a harder third week. And he'd been chasing breaks, I think, on the flat. Yes. So he he had a good chance to win this TT, big result. And it I don't think he's particularly happy just like Novak definitely was not happy yesterday as I said and it came out that he was told with like six seven k's left very late he could go for the stage uh in that stage yesterday but this is the TT as a reminder 
The Giro may be over, but the GCN Plus Giro collection lives on, as well as short, long-form and full-stage coverage highlights of this entire Giro d'Italia. If you want to go back and look at various stages and see where maybe the Giro was won or lost, but there's a Giro collection with uh, numerous documentaries on the Giro and other documentaries as well, not to mention all the upcoming racing on GCN Plus throughout the year. We just had Tour of Norway wrap up this week and then we go into depending on your territories Dauphiné Swiss to a big and Slovenia I think as well where Paul is tuning up in June as he did last year if you want to get 25% off an annual GCN plus subscription if you're in Australia the US UK Canada or Germany you can go to the link down below for LRCP listeners especially to get 25% off that subscription I think it's a pretty great deal some splits i want to talk about benji afini uh he didn't do as well as maybe i thought and i was like well it does make sense because it wasn't flat and he's a heavy boy and they went uphill court did fourth up the hill and then 26th in t1 to the finish which is curious because he's like 70 kilos and there's going downhill that's and the the EF setup is supposed to be quite aerodynamic or good, and so it's going faster. That's curious to me. Maybe, And he ended up coming seventh, but weird pacing strategy. Hepburn the same, sixth, 31st. In, and Carthy did the same, Benji. And he actually did a good TT, 11th. He is the only GC change from 10th to 9th. He overhauled Juanpei dishonorably. Juanpei won't be happy. Carthy went fifth to T1. And 39th, T1 to the finish. Um, is that a team thing, Benji, or am I reading too much into it? I think when it comes to, uh, perhaps it's a decision from that team to do a certain pacing strategy, but I perhaps see a different cause between Carfi and Court, for example, because Court on paper is a good descender. We've seen him, was it, oh, there was a mountain stage, I think, in the Tour or something, where he ended up winning the stage, but he came back in a descent of a large climb to the uh, front group and eventually won that stage. My mind thinks something like that. So there must have been a stage like that in the history of court. But I remember him being a pretty damn good descender. When it comes to coffee, I don't necessarily remember him being a great descender. And I think perhaps court might have been like, oh, I'm fourth and I'm on 32 seconds or something. Was it 42 seconds even after the uh, first portion of this time trial? I'm never going to uh, win true. this time trial. What's the true. point of going for a sixth spot on this time trial or do you think that he still would have gone for it all out no that's a reasonable and you're right he's win or bust he doesn't care like carthy about moving up positions on gc the duck also did a split like that 18 <laughs> to 70 but i just realized as i said that that he is now a bike exchange so my theory is not holding too much water <laughs> um, unfortunately something to mention as well and this is deep in the weeds here but like I think one of the most understated things in cycling that people don't appreciate they do in F1 is that equipment really, really matters. And it really does vary between the teams. Like it really does. And it can be the difference between second and fifth in GC and much bigger gaps than that in TTs. Will Barter today, 27th, and he's on Movistar now. Last year he was on EF and... I'm trying to think, when did he 
He came like second by a second to Roglic in a Vuelta TT, I think, uh, in 2020. Yep. Yeah, COVID times. Anyway, he maybe that's not an equipment thing. Maybe Will Barr's just not not that good. Um, but Hindley, most importantly, kept it safe, did a good TT, won the Giro, uh, and I'll just read out the final actual results in terms of GC2 at the top 10. 118 ahead of Carapaz, 324 ahead of Lander, 902 ahead of Nibli, Bilbao on 914. Hirt actually did a good TT. He's 14 seconds behind Bilbao. Hirt nearly came fifth. Bulkman, big gap to him, 1319 in seventh, kind of anonymous this year, but seventh nonetheless. Pozzavivo, eighth. Shame he crashed off the Mortarolo. I think he could have gone top five. He looked very good. Carthy moves into ninth on 1754 after smashing Juanpe in the TT, which actually matters. It's 40 extra points for EF, uh, who are in desperate need of them. Juanpe in 10th on 1840. And Bala, yeah, he didn't try in this TT. So, yeah, any last thoughts from this, Benji? Um, any other standouts? Anyone do really badly in the TT or um, potential GC guys? I think Tullet's the one we like. Just mark that down, your little black book, as an Ineos future GC small guy late. Very late on Fadai yesterday and now doing this TT in the back of the third week at his age. Something to note down. Is there anything else like that that stood out to you? Well, when it comes to Tullet, I just want to like add, first of all, like everybody keeps pronouncing that guy's name in three different ways now and I don't know which one it is. Tullet, Toilet, whatever. I don't. One of his friends messaged me yesterday saying it was Tullet. Okay. Okay. It's Tullet then. <laughs> <laughs> we know now. It's Ben Tullet. When it comes to him, I always felt like he was kind of a Dunbar type, but he's a Dunbar type with a better time trial in my eyes. Does that make sense? I think he climbs better too. And he's, but yeah, he's that punchy, like he top 10 flesh, didn't he, on Alpes and Phoenix. So obviously yep. the punch is there. Uh, but I think he, I think Ineos' decision to send him instead of Dunbar completely vindicated mm-hmm. uh, by his, his Giro. Plus he's staying. When it comes to Petrago, um, let's talk about this man because he's getting 12th in the Giro and I feel like he's always been a bit under the radar and he came through in that Saudi tour uh, this year after Burgos last year where he was strong. This guy is only, what is it, 22 still? Yes, 22. He's becoming 23 at the end of this year. I feel like this man has still potential to grow in aspects and I'm curious what this man can do in the future. Do you think that considering he got 12th in the Giro that he should try still fighting for stage wins like he won that stage earlier? Or do you think that he should try and go for a top 10 in GC? Because I feel like at Bahrain, there's not that much space to grow into GC riders because they've got like quite a few already. He doesn't have a choice. It's not his decision. Lander, Haig, Caruso, Pauls is even ahead of him in hierarchy. I think Maida, they'd want to develop. Maybe, maybe not. I think he doesn't have a choice. He obviously, I think, had the level to top 10 this Giro. Unlike, because like Bookman, let's be honest, Bookman didn't do a single pull for Hindley this entire Giro. Bookman did not hit the front once. Yep. Whereas Butrago's got that result riding in breaks on the stage, riding with the Domestique yesterday, blowing up for Lander. Same with Sivakov. I think Sivakov is back. Like that pull yesterday, reducing the group to five. Whether tactically it was the right thing to do, I will talk about that tomorrow and I have my view on that. mentioned it yesterday, but that's a great level from him. He could have also top 10 this Giro again with his level. He just 
rode fully as a domestique and lost time because of it this entire Giro. Uh, Van der Poel finishes the Giro where I thought he wouldn't. I thought he was bluffing. He did, so credit to him. Whether he finishes the tour as well, if he does, and does the worlds and does CX, then I mean, <laughs> con- good luck, to him. congrats. That's fantastic. Uh, I just I hope it all works out. Uh, but yeah, fantastic Giro from him. And yeah, I think. How do you feel now, Benji? Are you relieved it's over? Initial gut feeling. Relieved is a big word. I think when it comes to this Giro, I always felt throughout that it started off strong with Vanderpool winning and so forth. Binyam taking that stage win in week two was pretty fun as well. There were sparks everywhere, kind of. When it comes to the GC fight, it was really stage 14 that was the one that really sparked it for me. Blockhouse was fun, but it ended up with everybody relatively on level, except for three to four riders that we knew that were better climbers after that stage. But in week three, I felt like we were waiting we were basically waiting for something to happen and it wasn't until the last three kilometers of yesterday's fedaya that something happened then for you does that satisfy you for the rest of the waiting we did in week three for the gc fight or was it a bit too short the three kilometers of action it it didn't really because when henley dropped carapaz it was i knew it was done like yeah. the the gap that opened up that quickly with Kemner and then that far to the finish, that steep, you're like, this is 45 seconds max. And so it's done. There's no tension. It's not like with Bernal chasing Caruso or chasing Yates and in those stages. And then there's no stage afterwards where maybe Carapaz and Ineos can fight back. There wasn't any tension like that. So, yeah, it was not the best ever Giro third week. I would say the Binny MVDP fights were really good. Really good to watch. I enjoyed them. It's obviously a shame Almeida Bardet have left and Yates. Um, but yeah, it was big congrats to Hindley. Like, I don't think it should go unsaid again that, like, he came second in the Giro after winning the Malia in the final TT. And he's come back two years later on a different team and got the job done. Whether he came into the Giro as a domestique for Bookman and Kelderman or not, or just whichever leader is the strongest, I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, incredible level. Congrats to him, and we'll have the full wrap, uh, wrap up tomorrow. Just a whip round. A lot of other racing on this Sunday, by the way. Uh, friend of the podcast, Sebastian Berwick, actually won uh, stage five of the Alps is Air Tour and moved up to third on GC, giving Roman Gregoire, who is absolutely insane talent, please not FTJ pick him up. Uh, he gave him a bit of a scare, so good to see him doing well in. Uh, Marcel Kint Classic, Arno Dali, the 19-year-old Neo-Pro, is an absolute fucking weapon. 20, sorry, he just turned 20. He won again. He is almost single-handedly saving Lotto from relegation with 125 points there. Alexandra Manley at Bike Exchange, Jayco, they cleaned up like five stages of the Touring and Ladies Tour and Manley won GC. So Bike Exchange women's looking good. Avonapol won Tour of Norway GC, 56 seconds out of Vine. Flap third on 130. Uh, Christoph did win the final stage, though, ahead of Vernon Pedersen. Pedersen looking a bit bit iffy after a crash in a Danish sort of local race recently. Uh, Bukul de la Mayen, Milano won ahead of Aula, who Benji's been touting as not a bad pro Conti sprint of quite a while. And Kaha, Kokar third. And... Uh, Benjamin Thomas won GC. So a lot of points for Cofidis and Lotto in the background. Uh, whilst EF sort of 
left almost empty-handed but for Carthy's night team. But anything from those results that stand out for you, Benji, Delee, Vine, Remco, anything else? Well, I think I also want to mention a result of, I think, throughout this week where Thibonais cleaned up Flesh du Sud when it comes to GC. Also intriguing because he's also still a 19-year-old, also being damn good. And just in general, we see that I think when it comes to the Tour of Norway GC, when you see Remco doing what he did on that climb, was a pretty damn strong performance numbers-wise. What does that mean for that rider in terms of the Vuelta, for example, coming up? Do you see that as, oh, he's going to be at a good climbing level? Was that what you expected? And does it make you still worry about, uh, can he keep this up for three weeks, for example? Well, it depends. If the if the Vuelta was a normal Vuelta parkour, I'd be like, eh, doesn't really say much in that sense to me. We saw at Basque Country how he went on Rampas on Crabbelin, and then Arate, if they hadn't finessed, they would have cooked him so hard on Arate, but they yeah. Martinez didn't need to. Um, but the world is not that parkour. It's actually a very Tour de France-like. It's got a team time trial. It has a lot of 15-kilometer, 6% finishes. There's one Rampas finish, the Prades one, like 2.5Ks. No, 3Ks, 13%. But even then, 30 seconds is sort of what you'll lose if you have a bad day. It's just not that long a climb. Uh, so I think he's looking good. And he's lost a lot of weight. Remember, at the start of the year, I was doing the numbers. I was like, well, you know, to do the world champs bronze on the flat at that weight, you need to be doing a lot of power. And then at Valenciana, he couldn't do 6.1 for 20. Something didn't add up. And it was Occam's razor, the obvious thing. He was 66 kilos. He was heavier than, you know, people thought. And then he lost two kilos for Liège and Basque. And then he's lost more weight here after a simulated altitude camp in Denier at Synchrosfera Hotel, the one MVP, Campanats, et cetera, have gone to. And he's looking lean and he did a crazy climb performance. So that's a long answer to say, Benji, looking good. This is if they, if they have a plan. <laughs> like last year, there was no plan. It was a shit show. They were like, let's go here, let's go here. Like last year, if, they, if this had happened, they would send him to the tour. This year, there yep. seems to be a plan. It's going better than probably expected. He won the age, now doing good climb performances. So yeah, can he challenge Pog? At the welter, I think so. I think I think he can make it interesting. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I also want to mention Vincenzo Nibali in today's Giro stage, final Giro stage for Vincenzo Nibali. I hope he reconsidered Solverde style, but I fear for it. But hey, it was a uh, it was enjoyable seeing him in the Giro's that he ended up winning in 2013, 2016, and uh, I'm gonna miss him in these races. I really am because uh, yeah, he's been my favorite wild rider for a while now, ever since uh because 11s went off the board, he was definitely my number one. So, uh, yeah, this will hurt. Is Nibali even big in Italy? You know what I mean? I, oh, feel, like Contador, I feel like Contador's bigger in Italy than Nibali. Like, it, maybe I'm missing it, but was there even much fanfare at the Giro about this? Like, I don't know. Again, I'm not plugged into the Italian press, but it just seemed like, I don't know, there'll be more at the Vuelta for El Bala. I think so as well, but when it comes to stage 14, for example, him being in that group, I swear I heard almost every supporter that were passing, that the group was passing, that he was in, just shout Vincenzo all the time. So I think that, I've th- I got a feeling that it kind of evolved throughout the years because I swear Nibli has gotten so much hate when he was GC rider a few years ago. And I, I feel like he's gotten less and less hate towards the end of his career. 
And yeah, that might have been linked to the sneaky attacks that he sometimes did when people had trouble when it comes to like a chain dropping or something. But other riders did that too. So I don't know. I um, I don't care. I like him, and that's why uh, I, it matters. All right, the end of the shark at the Giro. Sicily's already happened. Probably seen at Lombardia later in the year to finish off his career in the Italian semi classics. That's all from us today. Make sure you check out the relegation article dropping tomorrow as well as our Giro recap podcast. Then we'll be taking a little bit of a break before the Dauphiné starts in Monday week. Thanks as always for your support and Swift support during the Giro d'Italia and we'll see you tomorrow. Ciao. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 